Welcome to the HMO Experience, the UK's only HMO-focused property podcast, where every Monday, Matt, Jamie and Steve will inform and inspire you about everything to do with HMOs, rent-to-rent, and how to set up and grow a successful HMO business, whether you're just starting out or you're already on your way. Hi guys, I'm Matt Harris and welcome to the HMO Experience. Um, I'm here with um, our co-host, Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. Hi everyone, Jamie Middle here. And Steve. Say hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. <laughs> now, in this episode, uh, episode three of the HMO Experience, we're going to um, give you a little bit more of an overview um, about um, uh, what HMO is. And also in episode two, we covered off um, rent to rent. So in this episode, we're going to um, deal more with um, buying and developing uh, properties into HMO. Um, I personally don't have any experience um, on this particular part of the journey, so I'm going to leave it to um, Jamie and Steve to give you um, a little bit more insight, and I'll hand you over to Jamie now to get the ball rolling. Cool. Thanks, Matt. So, as a quick refresher, everyone, an HMO, a house of multiple occupancy, some people call it multi-layer, some people call it a shared accommodation or co-living, as you remember from episode one, is all about a property occupied by three or more unrelated people and they share common facilities. Those common facilities are typically a kitchen and bathroom. Mm-hmm. So let's put that definition aside. Yeah. Now let's talk about buying. So Steve and I were looking, as you recall from previous episodes, to use the knowledge about how we set up and run a rent-to-rent HMO business to then go and buy properties and convert those to HMO. The key benefit of buying properties, of course, is you own the asset. Mm. And then, of course, hopefully, if you add value, which we're going to be covering now, yeah. uh, then you can push the value of that property up and you're making more equity and there's more money in that building. Uh, in addition to that, then you're renting out the more rooms that you've created and making more income too. So typically, our uh, owned HMOs are making us seven times the income of one of my old single lets up in Leeds. Oh, wow. Probably that same as you, Steve, up in Liverpool. Yep. So make a lot more money, and and this was where we really uh, got to grips with buying more properties. Mm -hmm. And Steve and I have been fortunate to uh, be investing up in um, Coventry, up in the West Midlands. We'll cover it in a later episode, how to find your your preferred area, and and the the do's and don'ts of doing that for you. And uh, I'll just give you an example. The key strategy that Steve and I have been doing for a few years now are buying a property, a standard residential property, and adding value to those properties by basically ripping them out and starting again. Uh, typically buying uh, three bedroom houses, mm. might be a terraced house or a semi-detached house, and then making it into a five or a six bedroom professional HMO with on the street. So that's mm. what we've been doing. Some people, and this might be for you, don't want to go to all that uh, time and effort to really refurbish and develop a property. Some people simply want to buy a standard residential property, mm. might have three bedrooms, might have two reception rooms downstairs, and they want to turn one of those downstairs receptions into another bedroom. And we can cover that in a further episode if that's mm. of interest to you guys on the, the podcast. But some people call that a, a mini HMO or a minimo. Mm. So you're not going to the same extent of developing it. You are simply creating one more room by you know, putting on some five doors and, and make sure the room is is, uh, is, is legal, and we'll go through some legal requirements in a further episode. But in essence, they're turning a three-bedroom house into a four-bed by spending very you know, minimal amounts of time, effort, and money, mm-hmm. and then renting out to make a bit more income. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a great strategy. You're not going to typically 
increase the value of that property fundamentally because it's still a residential house. It's still very easy to convert back to a single let property. Mm. So that's it's a great strategy for income, but it's not necessarily the strategy if you want to push the value of that property higher. At what point did you guys decide? Because you know you started on the the rent to rent and journey. Like when when did you decide? You know what, rent to rent is. It's great, it's working, but actually it's now time to sort of move along, um, you know, the next stage and, and start buying. Uh, and what was the experience of buying and developing out your first HMO, your first property? Um, for me, it was um, before we started Rent to Rent. Okay. So I bought my, uh, I was buying little, um, little, little, yeah, little single lets in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and they would probably give me, uh, net cash flow between sort of 350, 400 a month. Um, I was buying um, end of terrace, um, sort of 1960s, 1970s properties for £50,000. The mortgage was about 100 odd quid a month, yeah. and we were renting them out for 650. So, really, nice. really good. So, they are back to back to Liverpool. They have them in. I believe. Yeah, I mean, that, that there's a certain, near the city centre is, but this was out in a place called. And I'll always pronounce it wrong. So for our Liverpudlian uh, <laughs> listeners, I do apologise. For Zachary, for Zachary, okay. I think it is. So, uh, so I was buying in for Zachary. <laughs> yeah. And um, this was a end terrace, three bedrooms. And I was really fortunate because I met um, a guy up in Liverpool. And we, we subsequently um, did some JVs together. And he said... Um, this is a really great strategy because have you heard of the two plus two strategy? Mm. Um, I haven't heard of the two plus two strategy. He said, well, what we can do is we get two people in a, um, in a three bed house and effectively we'll make the downstairs living room for their exclusive use only. Mm. And we can um, claim from the council the one bed rate. So we were getting on that particular property nearly 800 quid's worth of uh, income and uh, the mortgage going out was about 110, 112 quid. Wow. Um, I had to pay a council tax on that, but then I'm getting 800 pounds against my 650s that I was um, getting nearer to town. I thought, well, if I could get 800 pound putting two people in, yeah. how much could I get if I put four people in? And that's when I started to um, really find out about HMO. And then an opportunity came about um, in a place called Egberth, and that isn't spelled E-G-G, that's A-I-G. Um, so uh, all of our Liverpudlian uh, viewers and listeners will know where that is. Um, and it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic part of um, Liverpool. I absolutely love it. And they've got these terraced uh, properties, Victorian properties, but they're over three floors. Yeah. So um, we bought our first one for 110000 Um It was our fifth per uh, fourth purchase. And um, got our little build team up there to um, to uh, convert it into the rooms. Found out about licensing. Mm -hmm. Found out about the uh, fire regulations. Uh, all of that sort of uh, was a little bit scary at first, but when you actually dig into it, it's not that scary. It's yeah. actually quite prescribed and very straightforward. Yeah. We'll cover those guys, by the way, in a future episode. So yeah, don't worry about yeah, them. For sure. yeah. We'll cover that off later. And um, and then we've got six people in. So now I know how much I can get with six people. Mm -hmm. um, but then what I realised was there was a whole bunch of management that went with it. And I'm living in Cambridge, and this is in uh, Liverpool, and there's sort of 350 miles in between. Mm -hmm. So then I thought, right, I need to leverage and, and get um, 
But what I didn't do uh, on the financing side, which I'm sure Jamie will talk about shortly, is that uh, I left a whole stack of uh, cash in there. Right. So uh, I was I, I nearly pulled out of that first purchase because uh, a good friend of mine who will remain remain nameless um, got it completely wrong in the sense that he bought a property on a single let buy to let mortgage. He then rented it out to five nurses. Mm. The bank was writing to him at the address, and the nurses were sending the correspondence back saying the guy doesn't live it. Yeah. So the bank then sent someone round uh, and found out what he'd done, and, oh, and uh, yeah, it got a little bit scary. <laughs> so that's when I started to learn about HMO mortgages. And if yeah. you're buying uh, properties, you have to make sure uh, you get the right funding in place, and, and we'll probably do a podcast on Definitely. funding at a later stage. Yes. Um, but the, the, one of the key takeaways from this podcast is don't buy an HMO on a single-let mortgage. Um and uh, so started to get into uh, HMO mortgages, but we left nearly £70,000 in the deal because obviously uh, the refurbishment costs are a lot more. The purchase cost was a little bit higher than our standard three beds that we were buying. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the purchase costs were um, a little bit more. We had to get HMO licenses and, and uh, specialist insurance. And again, we'll have a subject on that in a later podcast. But yeah, it was um, it was sort of a gradual journey from what can I get from a single buy to let to ah, oh, there's this strategy two plus two, which has mm. just earned me double. So what can I get if I put more people in? Yeah. And uh, and that was sort of my journey. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Jamie and I started buying in Coventry, but we we were buying different types of property and funding it in a completely what I would consider a revolutionary way, um, which really made me sit up and think, Christ, how much money yeah. have I got locked up in property that could be used uh, in a slightly different way? So do you want to explain how we sort of fund in Coventry? Sure. Uh, before I do that, I'm on the back of us, Steve and I are doing our rent rent agents in Bedford, which isn't too far from where we live. just wanted to say that we were taught uh, that we should try and always focus our property businesses our investments near where we lived. Mm. So on the back of trying to find probably mm. to buy, um, I lived in a, a town called Bishop Stortford near Stansted Airport, not just mm. south of uh, Cambridge and just north of London. And the property prices were too expensive there. So in a previous episode, Steve mentioned that you know, you've got to think about how much money you've got to put into a property to buy and then how much income you're going to get out. Mm. And through doing our research together, we realised that it just wasn't worth it for us to go and buy where we lived because you could actually make a bit more money by renting out these properties if you could buy them as a single let. Mm. Make at least two grand uh, a month renting out these houses as a single let because the purchase price is so high. So we had to therefore look for a cheaper area to buy. Now, as Steve said, we looked at what we thought was a revolutionary way of doing this, and we'll share with you more detail on these episodes. But um, in essence, what we now do is we buy in a cheaper area to where we live. Mm-hmm. So we buy houses around the 130 to 150,000 pounds mark. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, we typically buy uh, three-bed houses. They could be terrace houses or semi-detached houses. We are fundamentally changing those in the refurb. Mm-hmm. We're making those into five or six-bedroom uh, professional HMOs with uh, ensuite bathrooms. But the key thing here is twofold. One is we don't put any of our own cash into these properties. We're raising finance from JV partners mm. to invest with us. But we're also, and I'll give you some examples of a, a recent property of ours in a minute, 
but we are also, because of refurbishing the property, we're raising the value of that property mm. because it's now become a commercial property as a renting it out by the room and there's now a license, an HMO license on that property. So it's not a standard residential house anymore. Mm. What does that mean? That means then if we're looking to refinance that property, we've increased the value, which means we can refinance uh, the property at the end value, whatever the commercial event tells us it is, mm. and take out up to 75% mortgage of that new value. Now that has helped us take out pretty much all, or certainly most of the money. So we're not in the situation that Steve found himself in, we're leaving 70 grand in the property, because that's yeah. a big old chunk of cash. Mm, yeah. We're taking out much, if not all the money. And of course, there's no guarantees here that we're gonna share with you our own experiences. So let me do that now. We, um, one of our properties we bought not so long ago up in Coventry was a big and Crescent and a three bedroom terrace house. Uh, again, quite a big house, but very tired looking property. We did a complete refurb. We bought it for 140,000 uh, pounds. Once we paid for stamp duty and legal fees and the deposit, um, there was a sort of nine, nine just over 9,000 pounds spent on that. The refurbishment itself, by ripping all apart and making it to five bed, five on suite, mm. was 58,500 pounds. So total cash in, including everything, all the legal, stamp duty, and of course the reefer, was 207,625 pounds. Now, as I mentioned, Stephen and I don't put our own cash in, we raised finance, and we'll share with you how you can do that if that's right for you in a future episode. Mm. So we raised finance from an investor, we then put the cash in, we buy the property in our company, and then we do all the works, and on refinancing, this property was valued by a local commercial surveyor at 287,000 pounds. 287,000 pounds. It's not bad, is it? Yeah, that's really good. So we then remortgaged <laughs> 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 re 75% of that new value, which meant the new mortgage was 215,000 pounds. We paid off the first mortgage and all the borrowing, which meant we actually made a profit of 7,600 quid. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And then we rent it out and make every grand net uh, income after all costs. Nice. So there's different ways of doing it. Yeah. Do you, when you um, buy properties to uh, develop into HMOs, do you always add en suites to all of the rooms? Great question, Matt. So yeah, we do. And the reason we do that is because the lender that we've been working with, that's part of their requirement. Okay. To give us the commercial valuation of the new property, we have to structurally change the property. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more difficult to convert a, a professional HMO where you've got on suites in every room mm -hmm. back to a residential house for one single person or family. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's a different property, it's a commercial property. Yeah. And so part of the requirement from the lender's point of view is that we have to structurally change it. So yeah, we all do that. Okay, great. And I guess that, so in comparison then, um, does that add quite a significant uh, level of cost to the build because you're having to do all the additional re-plumbing and yeah. setting everything up? Yeah, it does. I mean, the, the key thing is if you're working with experts, and we'll share with you in a later episode how to build your power team around you, they know what they're doing, and we sure. can give advice on that too in, in a future episode as well. Um, but the key thing is we're not, we're not having to reconfigure the rooms to fit in a uh, sure. suites. We're taking everything out right. and then putting it back in. Right. So that means it's quite quick, it's relative, it's a bit more expensive than buying a single let and, and making one of the rooms downstairs in another bedroom. Sure. But um, uh, but you know we're typically taking a property within 14 weeks 
um, really at the outset is we're making that into a five bed or six bed on three property. Nice. Um, but because we're starting with a blank canvas, because we're taking everything out, it's quite quick. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, as, as I said, the example of bigger door presence, £58,000 for a reefer. Nice. So for those of you who are listening to this and watching this in a big town or city in London or wherever, somewhere else, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, that's yeah. Where you deposit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it works for us. No, that's great. We'd, um, are we happy to share the uh, the numbers in terms of what sure. you've done on the um, in the podcast description as well, so people can see? Yeah, absolutely. How absolutely. it works out? I think that'd be great. I think um, I think um, one of the questions I have is around because you guys have been um, developing for a little while. Have you considered going down the um, commercial conversion route as well at some stage? Because I guess you know you applied the same concept in terms of creating co-living spaces just to a bigger template. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely looking at that right now. So in essence, whether you're buying a single let property or a bigger house and you're converting to an HMO or an office block, it's the same process. Yeah. It's just slightly bigger numbers. You yeah. need more people to help you. Uh, and one of the key things is definitely get a great power team around you to do the work. Mm. But it's, would I have done the bigger deals if I just got a, single, a few single lets? No, I wouldn't because yeah. I'm a bit, a bit scared by it. Yeah. But now we've done so many of these HMO conversions, um, it makes no difference. It's very simple now for us to do a 10 bed or a 12 bed or a 15 or 20 bed property or bigger because it's just following the same principle yeah. and on a slightly bigger scale. Nice. Okay. Steve, you got anything to add? No, well, was, um, the, the only um, comment I would uh, like to sort of put in is that you don't have to put on suites in if you don't want to. Sure. Um, but if you're looking to recycle your money, then it's pretty much a, a standard requirement. But there's a, a lot of other people who don't actually buy to recycle. Sure. They actually buy um, to uh, have equity in the property, mm-hmm. and they're also looking for, um, uh, for, for income as well. Because one of the things that you need to be mindful of when you are going down the commercial route Mm. is that you are physically changing the property. You're changing it from what could be converted back to a family uh, property. Um, But in this instance, it can't because more often than not, we're putting ensuite bedrooms on the ground floor. I don't know how many residential properties you've been into that's got uh, suites on the ground floor, but it's probably very low, if yeah. not none. So therefore, because you're getting that increased valuation, if you were to come to look to sell that property, mm. then it's going to be a much higher valuation than all of the other properties in the area. Mm. But the fact that we're not looking to sell and we're looking to um, drive this from, a, from an income perspective sure. or a cash flow perspective, that's the reason why this works really well. But if you're thinking out there, if you're out there thinking, well, do I have to put on suites? And the answer is no. Mm. The answer is you need to um, provide what your customers are looking for. Sure. And we'll talk more about your how you find the customers and the different types of customers. Because if you've been listening to our previous podcast, you would have known that back in 1988, <laughs> when I was a spotty student, I was square um, squirting Glade air freshener all around some other person. Air freshener fine. Yeah. <laughs> Cotton fresh, um, tropical crush, all sorts of stuff. Um, that's probably where I got my allergies. But, um, but yeah, it's, we, we were living in um, a property, had two bathrooms and, and no en suites. Mm. Now, in today's uh, day and age with, with co-living on the rise and young people 
can't afford it to get onto the property ladder. They can't afford uh, one bed flats, two bed flats. They are looking for the amenities mm. um, to call their own. Um, there's not many um, young professionals that actually like to go into um, shared bathrooms unless the shared facilities are of a sufficient quality sure. and a sufficient standard. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of um, student HMO landlords are struggling right now because the whole market has changed mm. and these great big student blocks have popped up. We talked about developing bigger properties. Yeah, yeah. Um, student blocks are essentially massive HMOs. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever looked inside some of them, they're like premier in standard. Mm. So a lot of the student um, landlords are now having to uh, figure out, well, what am I going to do with my property? Am I going to invest in it? Uh, and they've made lots of profit in the past. Um, so they've certainly got the funds to invest in to bring their properties up to standard. Mm. But a lot of them are now saying, well, I'm going to sell. Yeah. And for us who are looking to do rent to rent, that's a huge opportunity. Yeah. Um, right now, there are students out there, uh, sorry, there are landlords out there with student properties who um, don't want the hassle anymore. The market has become too uh, uh, complex. The market has uh, raised its game. The quality of accommodation uh, is a lot higher mm. um, and, and they're struggling. And particularly now, as we sit here at the beginning of October in 2019, the yeah. academic year has just started. Yeah. And if that landlord doesn't have uh, students in that property, then they are going to struggle. Who are they going to rent them out to? Mm. So um, if you're looking to buy uh, HMOs, then again, those student landlords could be um, perfect targets um, to go and uh, put a proposition to them and then convert that student HMO into professional lets. Mm. And you can follow exactly the same methodology that Jamie explained in terms of how we buy in Coventry. Or if you don't want to put en suites in, then that's absolutely fine too. But just make sure you understand what the um, uh, implications are when you do your deal analysis. And we'll talk about how to do deal analysis in a, in a later uh, episode. Yeah. Um, so you go in with your eyes open. But buying HMOs are fantastic for cash flow. They're much better than uh, single lets. Mm. Um, they are a little bit more um, encompassing to run, but that's where you can leverage and get a great agent to do that on your behalf. Yeah. And if you've left equity in the property, then that's fine too, because that's equity that's sitting there. Um, unfortunately, you can't release that equity to go on to another um, project, but it's sitting there for uh, if you come to sell or if you do something else with that property at a later stage. So no matter which way you turn with HMOs, um, it's it's a great, I think it's the best investment um, uh, opportunity within in the property market. Yeah, I think all three of us agree. Absolutely. It won't be it. Yeah. It might not be called the HMO experience <laughs> if, it was, uh, if it was something else. It's a fair point. Yeah. So I think that's a good opportunity um, to wrap this episode up. Um, thank you, uh, Jamie and Steve, for obviously sharing um, your uh, experience with regards to buying and developing our HMOs. I think there is a, a, a fountain of additional content that will go around that, um, which I'm looking forward to um, you know, listening to myself in future episodes. Um, just to let you guys know that um, the next episode, episode four, um, we're going to give you a little bit of an overview um, with regards to... Um, uh, setting up your HMO business, so the sort of workflow that you um, you would generally expect to go through. Um, it will uh, primarily be around rent-to-rent, -rent, but actually there's only a couple of little nuances with regards to buying the property yourself. 
Um, so I think that will give you um, a good foundation uh, as well and a, a good insight into the sort of steps that you need to go through. Um, but for now, um, don't forget to follow us on social. So Facebook um, uh, for the HMO Experience podcast. We're on a number of different channels. We'll make sure the links are in the um, podcast description and the YouTube channel so you can see how lovely we all look in front of bright lights and we, <laughs> we work. Um, um, but for now, we will call it a day. It is goodbye from me. It's goodbye oh, from me. And it's goodbye from me. Yay. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the HMO Experience. Don't forget that all of the resources mentioned in each episode will be available on our website, www.thehmoexperience.co.uk. We regularly update our website with new content to help you along your HMO journey. So make sure you check out www.thehmoexperience.co.uk for more details. Also, remember to join our online community by liking the HMO Experience Facebook page and subscribing to our YouTube channel. 